you know, it reminds me, since we were talking about what happened in 1921, of everything that was happening in the church in that time period as well. Yeah. Um, especially specifically during the lynching era, uh, which was from 1880 to roughly 1940. People don't realize that 1940 was not that long ago and we were still hanging no, folks. And the craziest part about it was that it was being endorsed by the church. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest and greatest episode of I to I, short for Inspire to Inspire. My name is Jordan, and as always, we are glad to have you rocking on this journey with us. Devin and I are excited to get into it again tonight. We're going to talk about how a student athlete at the University of Texas has the comeback of a lifetime in more ways than one. We're also going to take an in-depth look at how the TV show The Watchmen, yeah, that Watchmen, the one on HBO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. Uh, we're going to talk about how that leads us to concern for the history of the church and how we really didn't keep watch. Yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, we're also going to have an in-depth discussion on Kurt Franklin's examination of the silence of our friends. Yeah, I'm not happy to talk about that, but I'm glad to talk about it. Uh, and then finally, if you could just take a wild guess. Yeah. So, Devin wants to talk some more about Kanye. Eh. Okay, maybe I want to as well. I don't know, just a little bit. Just a little, no, probably a little bit more than a little. But anyway, uh, neither here nor there. We are still excited and don't want to wait another second. It's time to engage and get down to business. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 14 of Eye to Eye. Come on, let's get to it. What's going on, folks? It's Jordan. This is Devin. And welcome to I to I podcast. It's all about having open, honest, real conversations about life and faith, man. And we are just willing to boldly go where ain't nobody trying to. And I feel like that's going to be this episode specifically because I know a lot of folks ain't trying to have this conversation, but it's about high time that we start this process. And for what it's worth, I guess I'm excited question marks yeah you excited i'm always excited especially after taking a hiatus hearing your interviews from last week <laughs> i mean woo. yeah it's good to be back man listen that was hey that was fun too i still uh shouts to, to karen and jazz for coming on and hanging out with me last week um i'm excited because i think it's the doorway to a lot of different 
conversations we'll have with many people coming, especially in the year 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, already trying to line up different interviews. Really excited about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, that conversation was fun and ratchet on so many different levels. And it's always good to connect with them. Uh, we got 8 million stories to tell about what it was like in grad school. Um, mostly good. Mostly. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm going to leave that at uh, that. Yeah. Um, you can and, find inspiration in the bad ones, too. Oh, no. That's actually, I, I, you know, I'm a firm believer <laughs> in that. You know, uh, inspiration comes out of all things. But, yep. but uh, not necessarily inspirational conversation. I'm talking about more just ratchet stuff. Oh, um, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we do that here, too. Of course. You know. You got no choice. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> also, um, I just wanted to give a, a very not so random uh, shout out to my wife because she's amazing. Uh, this past Monday, uh, she uh, every year has put on this amazing event for breast cancer awareness uh, called the Pink Bowl at her school. And I'm pretty sure, man, it had to been about four or five hundred people showed up. Uh, a bunch of teams showed up and showed out uh, for dodgeball. Dodgeball is an amazing thing. I don't know if you guys realize that dodgeball is not just uh, an awesome uh, event that has evoked two ridiculous movies, uh, but it is a chance for people to come around and actually have a community fun mm-hmm. um, and a lot of competition. We don't use bully balls. We use the soft, squishy ones. Uh, what, but uh, what injuries did you sustain? Because we've talked before, any athletic thing you oh, yeah, get into right. at your current age. No, we're... Oh, ah, watch your mouth, boy. Uh-huh. Watch your mouth. Uh, no, nah, no injuries for me. No, you know, the funny thing is, though, no, nah, they, they've actually had, like, serious injuries. I think somebody broke an ankle one year. Somebody Ooh. broke a wrist one year. No, nah, it's, it's been wild. I like yeah. how dodgeball is yeah, causing exactly. joint problems, not, like, broken noses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, nah, I mean. Someone but, dislocated a hip? Everybody, somebody <laughs> does get hit in the face every single time. Well, let's hope so. Yeah, yeah no, no, because if you get hit oh. in the face, then you're not out. What? Yeah, you might be well, knocked then, out, but then you're not. I would sacrifice this beautiful face of mine. Oh my god! To avoid getting knocked out. Oh, what's happening right mm-hmm. now? Yeah, not much. Nonetheless, um, shots to that, and then shots to the people on our team. It was uh, a bunch of community group folks, and then some random people from the crowd. Uh, we took the hardware, boy. We nice. got that sale. We got a championship, and uh, I'm glad to, to have those bragging rights. Except mm-hmm. the problem is the championship. Uh, hardware consisted of a huge pink bowl filled with a lot of candy that I could not eat. Oh, man. So there's that. You're just making all <clears throat> kinds of terrible life choices with this uh, ketosis. Dude. I mean, look. It's good, though, because like we're not in. Oh, no, we are. Yeah, that's right. Thanksgiving is this month. Oh, no, bro. Oh, Halloween was last month. Oh, Christmas is next month. No, 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 no. Let me tell Jeez. you right now. Uh, <clears throat> Halloween, yeah, that was, that was a sacrifice. Uh, Thanksgiving, it's going to go down. Oh, okay. And there will be carbs consumed. <laughs> so kenosis. Yeah, no. ketosis, man. Yeah. Ketosis, dude. Okay. Do your work, man. With the free. And and Christmas, same thing. You okay. know what I'm saying? Uh, it's the time to celebrate with family and celebrations involve food. And if it's a big celebration, even if I'm on keto, something tells me I'll have a, a slice of cake. <laughs> you won't be that day. To go with it. Yeah. I'm just telling you right now, man. That's all right. You know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of it should be a lifestyle. Not a diet because you can still enjoy things. Oh, yeah, no, I'm all about eat, drink, and be merry lifestyles. But right now, my lifestyle stays between 20 and 50 carbs per day. Okay. <clears throat> so there's that. Anyway, yeah, we need to get down to business. Uh, we got a big one tonight. We got a lot of stuff. Um, wanted to start with some uplifting stuff. I think that's going to be uh, the, <laughs> the protocol to this format here because uh, you got you to start off light. You, yeah, you give them the easy it. stuff. Yeah, the easy stuff. 
Um, but I mean, even in the easy stuff, you know, he just mentioned how we, we see inspiration, even in some tragic situations. Mm-hmm. Um, there was none cooler than this past, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, first of all, God, you know, he smiled on, on man and gifted him college basketball, uh, and another season of it. And so that is the, the greatest thing to ever happen because i mean let's face it nba they're good but they're just doing it for the oh, money come on doing it. you know it's it's all about he smiled on on coaches i don't know if he smiled on the the athletes oh, but that's another hey hey listen let's not pay the athletes uh, okay. yeah i knew that was coming uh-huh. yeah we'll have that conversation soon <laughs> enough i'm sure uh i actually totally forgot that that actually happened last week see it's good when you go on vacation there's certain things i don't see I know. Uh, but nonetheless so let's talk about this cat uh, there's a kid named Andrew Jones. Uh, he plays basketball for the University of Texas. And um, he is a part of a story that was really inspiring for me. And I remember hearing about this initially and never had a chance to follow up until uh, I saw it in the news a couple of days ago. He's a now a cancer survivor. <clears throat> and what happened was uh, back at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, um, it found he found out that he was uh, diagnosed with leukemia. And uh, it caused him to literally have to sit out. Obviously, he had to go through treatments um, and he literally did not lay down and die. Um, I just love his heart in the middle of the situation. He was always positive. Um, he made sure that he could do everything he could to, uh, to to cut the time in half to ensure that, you know, he could get right back at it, <clears throat> which was amazing, which was awesome. Uh, my favorite part in, in, in this whole thing is that, you know, he spent uh, 673 days away from the game. Uh, and then he finally comes back. Wow. And when he comes back, here's the setup. Um, he makes his first point on his second attempt at the free throw line midway through the second half of the game. And it marked his first point since his diagnosis. Why is it so cool? Well, you know, this I mean, this sounds like one of those uh, Walt Disney stories. But um, he ends up finishing the game with a career high for him, which I mean, is dope. I don't care who you are. And I bet many people in his life haven't scored 20 points in a basketball game, but uh, career high 20 points uh, in a basketball game. And like I said, that's with about 10 minutes left to go in the game. So just imagine, you know what I'm saying? You are not, maybe not done in for it. Maybe they said it was curable. Uh, but, you know, most folks, when they get sick, sometimes they don't come back from it to be able to do things like play a sport. Um, and he just he, he persisted. He endured, uh, you know, and he came back. And not only did he come back, but he literally comes back with a bang, which is really dope. All, all things considered, he, he did lead the, the, their team in scoring before he went out. Uh, but when he came back, he's like, you know what? I think I want my position back. And so I just really want to give him a salute for that because it's awesome to see. Um, anybody who's able to overcome one of those situations. And uh, not just that, but, you know, we were talking about who was it? Uh, James Conner. James Conner as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah James Conner. That, that cat's a monster. Mm-hmm. And to see what he went through. Um, I just remember watching the documentary on ESPN. Uh, for you, for those who don't know, for, for my non-sports people, uh, he's a running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he was a homeboy in the city of Pittsburgh. He actually played for the Pitt University. Um, University of Pittsburgh, and while he was there, if I'm right, I think it was his junior year, um, he was diagnosed with with a form of cancer. And uh, I kid you not, they 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 got it on video. This man was literally going to chemotherapy treatments 
And then later on that afternoon, knowing the side effects of chemotherapy, you know, the nausea, the weakness and everything else, he was hitting the gym. He was running. He was doing drills. You know, the the, the things that I, I don't even know if I'd be able to do, to be perfectly honest with you, but he just continued to persist and he persevered. Uh, and now you can see him on Sundays uh, still making the Steelers look good in spite of the Steelers not looking very good right Praise now. the Lord. Yeah. Um, whenever Pittsburgh's bad, uh, <laughs> I think the uh, angels rejoice. Uh, so, out, man. Yeah. yeah, but, um, you know, I just uh, I, I love the fact that there's this type of inspiration out there uh, because, you know, I take a look at especially young folks these days. Uh, there's a lot of students that I have. Uh, there's a lot of people that I know that are under the age of 18, 19, 20, 21. Um, and, you know, they're always just enduring, but they're so tired because of this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And I, I got grace for them because I understand. I've been there before, too. But yeah. sometimes I just want to look at some of them after they're like third <laughs> or fourth time. Everyone's I'm allowed t- to get tired. But, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but they're like, you know, I'm just I'm so tired. I'm like... <laughs> Did you have chemotherapy? I don't know. I, I sound mean. I sound like a jerk. I know I do. I know I do. But I mean, that's one of the things. I, it's it's one of the things that gets me up sometimes in the morning too. Just the realization uh, that somebody not only uh, persisted through some severe ailments, something that can kill people. That's 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 kind of my whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did so, and at the same time, were were still. And, and their wills enough to to pursue their dreams, you know, their God given dreams, most most likely their destiny, according to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just that, but they pull it off and they pull it off with excellence. You know, it's not like they just come back and oh, they came back and it was good. They live happy ever after. No, nah. James Conner came back and his rookie year in the league. Thanks to Le'Veon Bell, but his rookie yeah. year in the league, like he came in and he showed he great. the heck out, mm-hmm. you know, and he's still doing really, really good, all things considered. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's really cool to think about. Yeah, I think I'd be remiss uh, bringing up the C word to not, you know, give a little background on myself. I myself have not had cancer, but um, my brother was diagnosed with cancer when he was seven. I was nine, um, did uh, multiple things. This is back in the late 80s. Um, they did surgery, opened him up, came out an hour later, the family thought, Oh, good. God healed him. You know, we prayed and whatnot. So that's why uh, it only took an hour. Well, no, they sewed him back up because it was, uh, the tumor that he had in his abdomen was wrapped around his aorta and liver and all kinds of vital organs. So they just Mm -hmm. took a biopsy and couldn't operate. So then the next move was chemo, um, which, you know, as we just (laughs) discussed, I'm not sure how someone's working out while going through chemo, but you know, I mean, shoot, I don't know if I, I couldn't even work out and you can put me on like meth and I'd probably still get winded. Uh, but that's just me. Uh, but uh, uh, then then they Let's went to chemo. Then then they went to, uh, at the time, extremely experimental bone marrow transplant. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, I happened to be a perfect match. And so I donated. Um, that was not fun, but I did get a little bit of attention for like a weekend. Um, nice. uh, so that was nice. Uh, but uh uh, all in all, after about a year-long uh, battle, um, he was given a 10 15% chance of survival, uh, so much so that we did get to go to Disney World on Make-A-Wish. So he was not supposed to make it, wow. um, but he did. And then uh, caught uh, thyroid cancer when he was uh, like 20, um, overcame that after they cut him ear to ear, and he nicknamed himself Pez Dispenser. That's right. My, wow. fam- my family, we, we do some... Um, very silly things in the in the face of adversity, uh, yeah. <laughs> including I wrote a um, top ten reasons why having uh, thyroid cancer is 
is great. Um, the number one being that it affects uh, out of 10 people, nine of them are women. So, you know, for my brother, it was a good place to be. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, and then uh, finally, when he was uh, 28 years old, um, cancer the third time showed up and took him from us. But we had him for 20 years longer than we were supposed to. Wow. Um, but watching what he did with his life, the perspective that he had, he lived his life for others, not for himself. Mm -hmm. um, never complained. You know, it just wasn't that type of guy. So anytime I see people going through that and handling themselves in this way, uh -huh. you know, it just reminds me of him and just reminds me of, you know, I should probably be a, a better me every day because yeah. I don't have to carry that weight. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Like yeah. I said, it's, it's something that can get you up in the morning. If nothing else, it'll keep your mouth shut in certain situations. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, to your brother and to everybody who's out there just really trying to make it happen in spite of something like that, uh, salute um, because you are an inspiration. And we appreciate you and praying and believing for full recoveries for everybody when it comes down to it. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, wanted to go and put that one out there uh, and have a conversation about that. Now, we're going to move on. And this is more so in Devin's realm than mine. Mm -hmm. But as usual, uh, just a little bit of research goes a long way and <laughs> goes down a very dark path yeah. for me. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the TV show on HBO. Uh, the Watchmen. Yeah, I know this this, this don't sound very Christian at all, but trust me, uh, for me, this got real Christ-like <laughs> real fast. Well, one of the things I like to do is consume pop culture and try to find God in it, because mm -hmm. I think that Christians should be making an impact on pop culture versus the other way around. Mm -hmm. And so unless we're paying attention to what's popular and what's interesting to people who may not be saved, um, we're going to have a harder time reaching them. So, yeah, that's always the big conversation, just uh, being able to establish relevance mm -hmm. uh, with a very technically irrelevant book because it's a, over to, like around 2000 years old. No, no, that's it's the most relevant book out there, mm -hmm. uh, period. At the end. Now, the trick is uh, there's no real trick. But if I got to say it that way, the trick is helping people to realize exactly how and why it is so relevant still. Yep. Um, and yeah, being able to look at things like these uh, TV shows, movies, music. You know, we're having that conversation uh, mm -hmm. right now. Good grief. Um, but yeah, just all these different things. If you can see the God in something, we can get revelation out of it. You know what? My, my, my favorite pastors will more often than not um, have some type of revelation that comes from uh, something that was uh, an introspective in, in some 21st century something or other. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Whether it be history of the 1900s still um, or history now or, you know, mm -hmm. um, something in the movies, wh whatever the case may be. The bottom line is. Uh, I love the fact that we can take a look at this. And even if you don't get revelation from it, because mm -hmm. I've gotten revelation from a lot of different things, uh, movie wise, especially sure. uh, 127 hours really did a deal on me. Uh, that was one of my, my realest ones that helped me to understand the curtailing of sin and what it will constitute um, being able to sever from it. So if you've seen the movie, you probably already picked up on that. Um, but, uh, you know, just uh, looking at this, it doesn't give me revelation, but what it does give me is a reminder, especially after the article that you, you, you showed me yeah. of, of what the power of conversation can potentially do. That's the big thing that I'm taking from Watchmen and specifically the uh, showrunner slash uh, creator of this new series. So it's based on the old comic from, you know, what, the 80s, I yeah. believe. And it's kind of an alternate timeline. 
And the interesting thing that he decided to do was not make a direct remake or a direct sequel. He just wanted to kind of stay in that world, fast forward it to current times and kind of use some of the things that we're seeing in today's society and just make people think. And the neat thing that I find in art or entertainment is when you look for it, you can find thought provoking things and Mm -hmm. you can find the things like you said, where we're having the conversation. And I feel that sometimes the church does not do a good job of that or does not at least do a good job of having the conversation of things that might be difficult to have a conversation about. Mm, Yeah. So specifically this show really dives into a bunch of racial things and Lindelof, Damien Lindelof is the creator. He also did Lost and The Leftovers, and he wrote uh, the movie Prometheus and a couple other things. So he's a very well-known creative guy who's putting this show together and decided that he was going to go ahead and tackle some of the issues we're going through today in America. So race was, was one of the leading things he wanted to kind of draw on. And it's very prevalent in the first 10 minutes of the show. True. Because it leads off with the Tulsa massacre, which was in what, 1921, I believe. 1921. So, you know, I will admit that I didn't know that that was a thing. Um, A lot of people didn't know. Lindelof himself said he didn't know about it until he had read uh, some stuff from Ta-Nehisi Coates. And, you know, sadly, I feel like a lot of uh, white America kind of stopped their education of truly what oppressed the the black communities once the Emancipation Proclamation came, the Civil War ended, and then we fast forward to civil rights and we act like nothing happened for that hundred years. Sure. Um, so this was eye-opening and heartbreaking, but basically leads this, you know, this series off with 10 minutes of kind of a a recreation of that event. And basically it was a thriving black community in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They pretty much ran their own city. They owned the stores, they owned the theaters, they owned, you know, everything there. And the neighboring white communities were not happy about that. Yeah. Uh, Basically falsely accused a young black man of assault on a white woman in an elevator and decided to go ahead and take matters into their own hands Hmm. and pretty much wipe out this community burn everything down um, upwards of 300 plus people. They said they can't really clarify how many people because it was just a massacre. Um, And then on top of that, the state declared it a riot, which meant that none of the insurance companies had to pay up. Wow. Um, So not only, so, you know, the best way to go ahead and solve injustice is to just pour more injustice on top of it. Right. Oh, of course. Um, So he basically starts the show that way and and you're just kind of watching it and kind of mouth hanging open. But I think that the neat thing about this, then it jumps immediately into kind of this alternate universe and today that we're seeing. And he was very upfront about his apprehension and nervousness of going this way, even though he felt like he should. Um, I mean, of course, because it's what's, Right. Right. And what's interesting is we as Christians, mm-hmm. we do that a lot, right? Where God's telling us, hey, I need you to, to do this thing. And yet we're apprehensive. Um, no, no, we didn't have the story of Jonah for any reason at all, bro. <laughs> um, admit, yeah. Bro. But so I, I think it's it's very noble of him to do this. And what he decided to do basically was the original Watchmen 
was full of the typical, you know, white superheroes, um, one female, the rest are males, um, very standard comic book stuff of the eighties, but, the but the blue guy though, you know, well, the blue guy. guy, but he was white before the nuclear stuff. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, mm. and, uh, <laughs> even though it, it, it's definitely more of a, a liberal premise approach, it still wasn't necessarily very diverse. Right. So Lindelof decided that he wanted diversity. So at the very forefront of this is uh, Regina King, who is uh, a queen, if you ask me. She's uh, <laughs> she's incredible. She won the Oscar last year um, for supporting actress in Beale Street. I've been and watching her multiple things. Uh, if you don't know who she is, she's also uh, the wife in uh, Jerry Maguire mm-hmm. yeah, uh, to Cuba right. Gooding. No, you're, you're forgetting my Rod favorite Tidwell. one. Yeah, no, my favorite one is uh, people forget that she's also Riley on the Boondocks. Okay. Yeah, that that voice that mm. you will hear. Which, by the way, if you if, if you don't watch Boondocks and and you're a Christian, don't don't be shocked at me if you ever pay attention <laughs> to it. Everybody's got a, a real guilty pleasure. That is definitely my one for sure. Yeah. Uh, also, by the way, R.I.P. Uh, to the late great John Witherspoon, who played Gramps on on the Boondocks as well. Um, just. You know, I'm not gonna say it was a community staple or nothing, but thank you, the man did his job. He did it well. <laughs> Good. Um, you know, but no, I so yeah, I definitely get what you're you're saying though. Um, uh, it's awesome to see number one, Regina King killing the game. Yeah, uh, that's that's great. Yeah. Uh, but then to see, like you were saying before, just the, the entire setup of of what she is on that show. She is the epitome of any and everything you would like to be as a lead character. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As one who, you know, and not only that, but you also get to walk through her humanity in the process. That that was cool to watch everything unfold, to, to see her emotion, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. to see her emotion and then not see it, not to say this in a bad way, but like womanized, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like she, no, to know, kind of girl power, yeah, if you exactly, will. Exactly. You yeah. know, um, because I, I think that's that's a real thing. I know um not to to go too far into it, but my wife and, and a few other women are are those that I definitely admire. Um, and they go through some really heavy, heavy things sometimes. And it's not anything that even I could experience or you could experience. And it's not to say no. from the state of being a black man or a white man, but just to, to understand that one, she is woman mm-hmm. two, she is black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's our, also a 48 year old woman. Exactly. But in our culture, the expectation on them is twice or three times as high as it would be on anybody else. Yeah. And they feel like they have to produce bigger, better, faster, yep. stronger, just to, to, to be half as good mm-hmm. as anybody else, which is a stigma that is very unfortunate. And I just hate the fact that, you know, they would even feel like they have to do that. Like, I would like to see equality and equity on all fronts. Uh, and I think that this is one of the perfect ways that we can, if, if yeah. nothing else, get that party started. Well, Hollywood also mishandles the way they portray women a lot. Um, you often see women shoot. If you go back and watch even stuff just from, you know, 30 years ago, uh, every woman is, you know, just over the top dramatic. Uh, if you go back 50 years ago, it's perfectly normal for basically a Humphrey Bogart to slap a woman to basically (laughs) snap her out of her craziness. Um, like it's, it's kind of nuts. And I think they do a disservice to a lot. Shoot. I was Mm -hmm. just watching morning show the one with Aniston and, and Witherspoon okay. and I'm watching that one. And it's like, even that one just made them seem like they were just emotional wrecks half the time. Um, and I don't think it's, it's not doing women a, a service and you watch a show like Watchmen 
And not only is the lead character a middle-aged black woman, which go ahead and name one other prestigious show where that's the case, because you're not going to find it. I mean, um, you you are, but I do. Yeah, I know we. I know you probably don't want me to, to mention this, but yeah, the the funny. Well, not the funny thing. Dang, it's always funny to me, but it ain't funny. I know. Um, is that the the two that were most successful in in recent years? Actually, the three when it comes down to it, because I keep forgetting about good old Annalise Keating. Um, there's always a disposition that they're in. You know, scandal. Yeah, uh, she was a side chick. Um, <laughs> Mary yes. Jane. She was a side chick. I think in the end, neither of them were side chicks, but still. And then Annalise, good God, she just had more issues than you could shake a stick at. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Like, there's there's no way that they're just top dog to be top dog. Yeah. And you you, you actually have basically the, this female character who's set up in a solid marriage uh, in a situation where she's just the, the typical protagonist. Um, but she's a woman. She's also, like I said, she's 48 pushing 50. Um, you know, Carrie Washington was what mid thirties when she got that gig and Hollywood is not kind to women who are over the age of 40. Um, but the other neat thing about this show is what Lindelof decided he was going to do was he purposely put together a diverse writer's room. And if, if you do follow movies or television, the writing is truly the backbone of, of anything that gets produced. Um, because if you don't have good writing, you, you really can't overcome it. And so if you put together a writer's room, his writer's room, I think, had uh, – there's about a dozen people. Yeah. He's got uh, four white men. Everyone else is a, a woman mm-hmm. or minority. And he wanted various perspectives, a word that we like to use a lot on this podcast, <laughs> uh, various perspectives so that when he put this stuff together, he was comfortable with having uh, the, the camera capture things that were real and authentic with how maybe experiences are. Yeah. He said it verbatim in the, in the interview. He's like, the key to being responsible is to have collaborators who don't look like you. The mm-hmm. responsibility is all about process. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, obviously I think he does that perfectly because what he also did, um, and what Regina King talked about in the interview was a lot. Uh, it gives you the opportunity to to give those perspectives and leave the door open to have conversations, which is the reason why I think he said he was so afraid. Like he, yeah, he said he had a bunch of diehard fans that he fears just might stop rocking with him because <laughs> of this. You know, and yeah. I mean, but you know, the cool <clears throat> thing about that is that that's unapologetic to the nature of what he found to be um, the the truest parts of him in this. You know, and that's ultimately why I thought this was great for the church, um, because unfortunately, uh, we don't have that type of perspective. No. Uh, and in the church, we also don't have many conversations. Right. Um, I love the fact that he decided that his writing room had to be as diverse as it was. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I, you know, not speaking ill of anybody's church in particular, and I'm not one of those people to sit up here and try to call anybody out. But I know of too many churches where there are a lot of different uh, setups, but virtually none of them have uh, people of color or women uh, that have a seat at the table to make any of the executive decisions or even just have part of the conversation. Uh, You might ask them a question, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the, the, the rights of the house rule. Yeah. And there's no conversation about anything else. And it's really frustrating because I think that's a big part of, I don't care what kind of church it is, dying church culture. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons why this hit me so hard, and we're probably even going to run out of time, is I just want to have this conversation, um, 
is, uh, you know, it reminds me, since we were talking about what happened in 1921, of everything that was happening in the church in that time period as well. Yeah. Um, especially specifically during the lynching era, uh, which was from 1880 to roughly 1940. People don't realize that 1940 was not that long ago and we were still hanging no, folks. And the craziest part about it was that it was being endorsed by the church. Um, there's a book and I got it sitting right here with me. Uh, one of my favorite books that I had an opportunity to read in grad school called The Cross and the Lynching Tree uh, by James Cone. And he was one of the first what they call liberation theologians. And his uh, obviously his wheelhouse of liberation dealt specifically with with uh, with blacks, with African-Americans specifically uh, during this time, not just with slavery. It was the crossover. It was the transition to us trying to be free in a time where we were free, but people were trying to not let us be free. And I got some excerpts. Um, I'll probably read them in just a second. We're about to go to break. But I just thought it was amazing as I was listening or reading this interview and I had a chance to watch this episode, all of the things that I was able to draw out of it um, that told me, yo, this is a go there moment. You know, and to that point, I think that seeing Hollywood or seeing a TV show try to be at the forefront of difficult conversation. That's just saying that the, that the church itself is not doing a good enough job of tackling these things, you know, and, and the, the book that you're mentioning there and some of the books that you and I have read together in right. uh, community groups that we've been in, these books are, you know, yeah, they're, they're not the easiest things to read, um, they're not the not <laughs> the most not fun, read, not but, but boy, I mean, how, how much I, I know I can speak personally when I say the most challenging books have allowed me to grow the most. Yeah. And so the more challenging that we can be in our communication and our conversation, the more the, the church and the people of the church will grow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and what I wanted to do is I just wanted to read uh, a few excerpts from this book to just kind of paint a picture. Um, because I think a lot of folks, uh, whether they listen to, to to the cast or not, um, could benefit from this type of understanding. I've actually mm -hmm. I've loaned this book out to a lot of my students. Um, I loaned it out to some of my mentors who who were clueless, uh, not clueless. Dang, that just sounds horrible. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, I mean, who, not clueless, but they they were they were ignorant to, to this level. You're picking bad mentors. You're picking I, clueless I, I, mentors. You know, I'm not picking bad mentors. That's what I'm saying. That's why I had to shut that up. My mentors are some of the greatest ever. Yeah. But um, yeah. So you know, I mean, for example, just the the understanding of of what was happening in this particular time frame. Um, right. In the introduction, Cone pulls it out. He says this. He's like, in its heyday, uh, the lynching of Black Americans was no secret. Uh, it was a public spectacle often announced and advanced in newspapers and over radios, attracting crowds of up to, listen to this, 20,000 people. Like, that's, that's wild. Like, and, and the funny thing is, it seems like it's a whole world away. Yeah. But you are literally not even cracking the century mark. Well, and you're saying it's it's advertised. Like, could you imagine you get a pop up? It's like lynching this Saturday. Yeah, like, exactly. What? Exactly, man. And so yeah, it's, it's crazy. I know I just... Um, Wanted to keep it going because I know we, uh, we we need to move on to other subject matters. Uh, but, you know, Cohen talks about this also in his introduction. He's like, I was born in Arkansas, a lynching state. Uh, during my childhood, white supremacy ruled supreme. White people were virtually free to do anything to blacks with impunity. The violent crosses of the Ku Klux Klan were familiar reality and white racists 
preached a dehumanizing, segregated gospel in the name of Jesus Cross every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, that if it sounds wishy-washy and, and, and too great for you still, I would love to go ahead and remove any type of wondering of whether or not he's actually saying that the church was promoting the understanding of lynching in its doors. Uh, here we go. Uh, in one of his chapters, it says the claim that whites had right to control the black population through lynching and other extra legal forms of mob violence was grounded in the religious belief that America is a white nation. Listen to that religious belief. Yeah, not biblical America belief. Religious belief is a white nation. Well, for them, they don't know the difference. No, that, but that's where I wanted to clarify, because there is a difference. True, true story. <laughs> Thank you. Um that America is a white nation called by God to bear witness to the superiority of, quote, white over black, unquote. Even prominent religious scholars in the North, like the highly regarded Swiss-born church historian Philip Schaff of Union Theological Seminary in New York, which is it's ironic enough in itself, but we don't have time to talk about that, <laughs> believe that, and I quote, the Anglo-Saxon and Anglo-American of all modern races possesses, uh, excuse me, possess the strong national character and one of, and the one best fitted for universal domination, unquote. Such beliefs made lynching defensible and even necessary for many whites. And you're trying to tell me that we can't have certain conversations about things in the church because of what? And it, it's it's frustrating for me because I, I think about, you know, I'm not trying to be the one, I'm not trying to be super Black Lives Matter Christian um, in, in any church, uh, but especially not even my church. But I do always have a longing and, and a hankering to make sure that folks understand that, you know, ain't nothing changed, unfortunately, right. you know, and the only way that we can even start the process is to begin to have that kind of conversation. Like when I tell folks, that I have been pulled over by a Caucasian officer and that I was wondering whether or not I was going to go to jail simply because of the color of my skin. I still think they don't get it. You know what I'm saying? And, and I say this to, to certain pastors, I say this to friends. And I mean, there's some who will click connect and actually ask a question every now and again. And that's great. Yeah. You know, but other than that, you know what I'm hearing? Hmm. Exactly. A lot of dead air. You know, a lot yeah. of silence. And and that just tells me that either A, you don't want to know, or B, you don't even want to take a, a potential step in approaching it by saying, I don't, you don't have to even say, I'm sorry, you didn't do it. I get that. But right, just, right. You know, just inquire. Well, with a lot of uh, people that I've talked to who I know who are either in, in my family or our friends, you know, other, other white people, the thing that they're having the hardest time with is how do they figure out dealing with the guilt they have for things they didn't do. Right. Um, and, and for me, it's mainly just been in, in forging friendships like the one that we have and having these conversations and you get over that initial challenge pretty quickly. As soon as you start to just have the conversation and you realize that, there, while there are behaviors and underlining beliefs that, that are still indoctrinating Americans, that as long as you work toward being aware of them, 
and understanding things like what white privilege actually is mm. and understanding what, you know, the white guilt or different things like that actually okay. are. But yeah. un- but just kind of understanding those things, yeah. Yeah. you can go a long way toward just having a, a different heart and a different mindset and and feeling like you can approach people out of love as opposed to approaching things out of guilt or not. It's not even guilt. It's not even fear. It's offense or that. Yeah. You don't, it's it's not, Yeah, you you don't have to defend yourself against exactly. That's my whole thing. Like, yeah, anytime I have had a conversation, I think some folks, the the reason that they got so quiet was because they don't really know what to say or they don't have anything to say. Cause I feel like they, they want to put forth some type of defense. Yeah. Cause they want to say, well, I didn't do that. Well, then that's the whole thing. Because yeah, okay, here we go. My yeah. my amazing and 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 gorgeous and wonderful white people uh, that I can still call family because we're all family in Christ. Yes. Listen to me. If anyone has ever opened up their mouth and in the process opened up their heart to you about their experience, they are not attacking you. They just want you to understand. Right. Because if you can't understand then there's no progress in the forging of whatever relationship that is. Right. And at the best, at best, you will be acquaintances because you will not be able to excavate and go below the surface of dealing with the deepest, darkest secret in America and how it impacts each and every one of the people in this nation that have a darker skin tone, Mm -hmm. black or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just, I'm inviting you to just listen to me and listen to me clear. You know, Jesus, you know, was one who came and taught us this one prayer. And that prayer says this, our father and our does not connotate a white skin tone, a dark skin tone or anything else. Paul said he came and he became like all so that he could save some. And, you know, the way that his life worked out, that's perfect because he was one who was Jew, but was in a Greek province. So he literally had the best of both worlds when it came down to his being able to express and understand on one side and the other, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So let's, let's take a chance to really have that kind of conversation amongst ourselves. Because I mean, I love Watchmen. Watchmen is dope. Watchmen is not quite Jesus <laughs> by any means. No, it's not. It's but, not. but it is the opportunity for us to really open up this gate right. and, and start building bridges. And that's really ultimately what this is all about. Yeah. It's the opportunity to say, why is the church not going into the things they want to do on a Sunday with a little bit of, of fear and challenge because they're trying to stretch themselves the way that somebody who's producing a television show is willing to do. Right. Why is that not happening? And, and Jordan and I can both attest firsthand that this podcast wouldn't even be happening unless both of us were willing to just sit down and, and talk with someone who might not look like us because God loves both of us. And so we should love each other. And it doesn't really matter. Just sit and listen to people. Mm. Um, you know, you can compartmentalize some of those things. It'd be like saying, I got bullied in third grade and then I get defensive because I used to be a third grader. Like what? That's just a weird mm. thing. That's philosophical. You know, that's a weird thing to do. Uh, <laughs> just, yes. If, nah. if you didn't commit those offenses, that's fine. But understand that, that people are still experiencing those things. Um, True story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we need to shut this up and move this on. I could talk about this all day. Yep. Um, but uh, you know what? No, I don't even need to start the break. Let's just keep it moving. This okay. Is easy. We'll keep moving. Um, yeah, so now it's time to talk about something that ticks me off even more than that. All right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a, I'm a gripe session artist. This is this is really what I do. 
I go hard with this son. So I had a friend send me a story on Instagram uh, that I knew nothing about until I had a chance to take a look at it. It just looked like a random thing. They didn't give me any preface. They didn't tell me what it was about. I have the same uh, experience, except that friend was you who sent it to me. And I mean, because I feel like it was the gift <laughs> that, that just kept on giving. Oh, well, I, don't um, really, I mean, it was a kind of a bad gift. It's it was, like spy yeah. versus spy opening a bomb. Yeah, like. <laughs> it's a horrible gift. Uh, my bad. No, not really. Uh, but yeah, so I finally had a chance to open it. And, uh, what it is, is is Kurt Franklin having a conversation, um, with, I guess his followers and explaining something that was actually very heartbreaking, uh, to listen to. And, uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to, we're going to play it for you a snippet, uh, right now. Actually, we're going to play the whole thing and then we're going to come back and we'll just go ahead and talk about it today. I feel like quitting. I am heartbroken that I even have to share this with you. In 2016, I was blessed to win an award for Best Gospel Artist at the Dove Awards. Many of you may not know the Dove Awards in comparison are the Christian Grammys, like the Stella Awards or the Gospel Grammys. For so long, the terms Christian and Gospel for many are code words for white and black which history may teach us was a setup for this unfortunate place we find ourselves in today. During that award speech, I felt the responsibility as a Christian and a man of color to address the civil unrest at that time that was plaguing our country with the killings of Philando Castile and Walter Scott, just to name a few, by white police officers. And at the same time, the horrific killings of five Dallas police officers by an African-American. I called upon the audience to join me in remembering that as Christians, when we say nothing, we're saying something. After a standing ovation, we prayed and stood in unity for all the families affected by those tragedies. We all felt that moment that it was a shift in the climate of our separate worlds. Unfortunately, when that speech aired on the Christian network TBN, that part of my speech was edited out. I made my disappointment and frustration known to the Double Awards Committee and to the Trinity Broadcasting Network. I never heard from TBN, and the Double Award Committee promised to rectify the mistake so that it wouldn't happen again. In 2019, history repeated itself. I was humbled to win the same award, and during my speech, I brought attention to the murder of a Tatiana Jefferson in her home by a white police officer. I asked everyone in the audience and those viewing to join me in prayer for not only a Tatiana's family, including her eight-year-old nephew who witnessed the killing, but also for the family of the police officer. Last week, during the airing of the awards on the same network again, that part of my speech was edited out. So now. After a meeting with the Double Wards Committee and representatives of TBN, I've made the decision after prayer, consultation with my team and my pastor, Dr. Tony Evans, to not attend any events affiliated with or for the Double Wards, Gospel Music Association or TBN until tangible plans are put in place to protect and champion diversity, especially where people of color have contributed their gifts, talents and finances to help build the viability of these institutions. I am aware that the word boycott often has a negative connotation and finality to it. But my goal will forever be reconciliation as well as accountability. 
it is important for those in charge to be informed. Not only did they edit my speech, they edited the African-American experience. I'm not asking those in the gospel community to follow my decision. No, this is my personal choice to take a stand and hold responsible those in positions of power to acknowledge the issues in our separate communities that have existed from colonialism to Jim Crow. To many of the issues facing us today, I pray there will be a significant change from this hurtful experience. I look with anticipation for that day of healing and I'm committed to contributing to that process. In the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. The silence of our friends. Ooh, that was uh, powerful. Bro, and, and the question that I ask off the jump is, if they are silent, are they really a friend? Well, right. Yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit fed up with the rhetoric that's been produced regarding like all media, whether it be social or otherwise. Um, and not only that, but now just also the modifications, like people don't realize that apparently modifications have been happening for, for a very long time. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, any of the ones that I've witnessed or heard about, you know, they, they've happened on most secular networks and things of that nature, including news stations. Yeah. Just, I'm going to leave that there. Yeah. Uh, and not just anyone, you know what I'm saying? MSNBC, Fox, they, they've they all done it. Um, but I mean, shoot, one of those stories came out this week, you know, because Epstein didn't kill himself. Oh, yeah. But that's a whole nother thing mm. that we won't unpack right now. No, but really don't have time. I never in my life thought um, that I would be dealing with a situation where I recognize that uh, an institution of any type, any type of organization that's supposed to be promoting the gospel, <laughs> especially when your name is Trinity Broadcasting Network. And now I'm not going to attack them, but I'm holding up a mirror and I'm calling a spade a spade. I don't care how big you are. Um, this is this is this is ridiculous, man. Like, <laughs> well, again, it brings us back to how does Hollywood get it right? Because the Oscars allows people to go ahead and go up and talk about women's rights with Me Too and True. go up and talk about Black Lives Matter and True. go up and talk about injustices that are going on. What is the Bible teaching us if it's not teaching us about the injustices of, of a sinful yeah. world? And, and here we have a Christian group who doesn't want to be controversial. You're willing to be controversial over everything else you believe in in the Bible, but you're not willing to just talk about injustice and truth. Yeah. And, and then you tell this person... You're going to make it right. It won't happen again. And three years later, it happens again. Yeah. <sighs> like I just, I I see it for, for what I think it is, which is really sad. It's just folks trying to control the narrative. Like they're trying to tell a story uh, and they're trying to tell the story that they want to tell, but that's not always a story. Like, I don't know. We, we, we've been reading all these crazy things like uh, the, the history book I was t telling you about, yeah. um, about how, so many things in history are wrong in our history books or just not taught in this case, it just isn't allowed to be spoken about. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just like, I'm, I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists by any means. I get, I, I don't have time for all that. I really, really don't. Um, but I mean, I do wonder what else somebody has probably said or not said, um, that has been positioned differently in the eyes of the public or even in, in this, in this case, in the Christian public, um, because when it comes down to it, uh, the, the, the one the one thing that I will say, and this is my big picture moment for this whole thing, uh, although 
I will probably still go in on this in about two seconds, uh, is that I am looking at right now, next to me, uh, this thing that we have as believers called a Bible. And inside of a Bible... If you don't have one, Kanye's giving them out. Chill out. Uh, there are a lot of stories, narratives, if you want to call them, and each and every one of them portray uh, greatness. They they portray emotion. They portray, you know, just a whole lot of different stuff. But the bottom line is they also portray humanity. Mm-hmm. And they paint these awesomely vivid pictures of what it's like to be a human. Mm-hmm. And even in being in love with God, that humanity produces things like frailty, error, mistake. Yeah. But we want to take the opportunity in today's culture and even as Christians in today's culture to sit up here and modify a story or to completely dismiss a story because it's something that you don't want to approach and you think this is cool. Like, I don't know. I I figured that the best way to keep me calm in this was to really just kind of go to God to pray and then really study my Bible and and see what it was that that I could touch um, that would kind of help me to to just, if nothing else, uh, polarize my frame and, and stay on topic without going off and really cussing somebody out. And so, you know, I found in Philippians chapter two, uh, verses one through eight, the breakdown is this, um, Paul talking and it says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together in one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but take an interest in others too. And then this is my sticking point, but it ain't the end. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. The bottom line is in verse five, where it says you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. That word in the Greek, when we're talking about attitude, um, it paints a picture when it's all said and done that, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about what it is to be Christ-like, the whole WWJD joint. And most of us nowadays, if we're, if we're keeping a, a Christ-like attitude, this means that we're helping little Miss Ellie Mae across the street or something like that. Or, you know, and maybe every now and again, you might give a dollar or two to a homeless person on the street. Yeah, but even atheists do that. So and That's a true story. <laughs> but here's the picture that is really being painted when it says, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. 
He died so that we could live. He died. And then, of course, it goes on in verse 8. It talks about it. He died not just a, a death. He died a criminal's death because he took on each and every one of our sins. You know, the Bible calls the enemy the accuser of the brethren. Right. You know, and so basically what happens is we are all on trial. Mm-hmm. We stand trial. This ain't no preaching moment, but this is really what this comes down to. And we are liable for all the accusations that are going to come our way. And not only that, guess what? We're guilty. But he steps in instead and he says, you know what? I'm going to take that sentence. What's that sentence? Death. Cool. I'll do it. Yep. The Bible doesn't choose to edit out the difficult parts. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't at all. And so when when I'm looking at this, you know, if, if I'm looking at this and I'm observing and I'm applying, the question could very easily be had. How are you dying to yourself mm-hmm. or somebody? And the one that jumped out to me is verse seven. Because especially in this instance where we've got a network and an award show deciding what they are going to allow to be shared with the world. In this case, it says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. I don't want to say that ending that sentence with the word slave is ironic, but it is. Mm. Um, I also would like to point out that he gave up his divine privileges. Because he was actually divine, meaning he had those privileges to give up. Yeah. TBN, the Dove Awards, us as humans, we are not divine, yet we think we are. Those are not privileges that we have to give up. We don't even have them. So for us to determine what the truth is that should be shared. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Woo. Yeah, I'm at a point now where I just, I really would love to tell TBN to take the T <clears throat> out and just be in. Uh, because that's when I look at this, you know, the, the verses three and four are the ones that I really would like to hold a mirror up to them on. You know, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Who the heck are you trying to impress with this? Well, man? that's what I'm trying to figure. Like, what? What's like, the point of even editing that out? I mean, I, at the end of the day, my my bet, and this is highly unfortunate, but you know, I, I feel like it comes down to somebody's deep pockets. Yeah. That is giving them money, their advertisers, whoever the case. Oh, may you be. mean the root of all evil? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. But I really, I honestly feel like that. And then just the fact that, you know, they're looking out for their own stuff. I don't care what you say. You yeah. can give me whatever excuse you want to give me. But the bottom line is you're looking out for your own self. You cannot justify this and you can't justify it happening twice. Like yeah, twice, you know, if if it happened in 2016 and, and they blame it on a producer, th- that's one thing. But then for it to happen again after give, being given assurances, um, you know, I don't know. And and the crazy thing about this is if you look at the beginning of this passage, all the questions that are being asked, they're rhetorical questions. There's an expectation on our lives that we know that there is encouragement that belongs to Christ and there is comfort. Mm -hmm. in his love and there's fellowship and if you look at that word comfort too actually it's kind of funny because um it's the only one word in comfort in the greek that actually means soothing but there's another word in the greek for comfort that actually means strengthening empowerment and this one actually does that too because this word comfort also means exhortation Mm -hmm. and so we are actually supposed to be reminded that this is an opportunity to strengthen people and you are literally taking the rug out from underneath them in this moment and in this situation. Yeah. You are taking away the exposure that needs to be had. Maybe this is why most folks don't understand 
is because you want to be a spin artist in the media and not even be in the media. And you want to say, oh, I don't think it's a good idea that we show this because if we do, what what's going to happen? Somebody might have a heart and somebody might care, especially if they get a chance to witness a bunch of Christian people coming together, white and black, because he made mention of that as well. Yeah. And praying together. Trying to heal the communities coming that are, into that are suffering agreement these like, with each other on this. Like you want to snuff that out? Yeah, what the heck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like I'm I just I'm I'm kinda at a point now where it's just like, I don't know. Like I almost feel like I'm paranoid. Like I'm gonna turn around and somebody else, somebody else's organization, somebody else's network, somebody else's church is going to do something like this and they think it's okay. Or maybe they don't think it's okay, but they also know that it's not right and they choose to do otherwise instead. I'm a little more cynical. I think they think it's okay. I think that's why you get standing ovations for people like MacArthur. Um, they think it's okay. Mm-hmm. And and they think it's okay because their leadership or the sources they look to to feed them information is telling them it's okay. Mm-hmm. Imagine you're at home watching the Dove Awards and this is allowed to now be discussed because for me, I had to hear it from alternative sources, from secular sources to really understand the police brutality and what was going on. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't learn that from the church. No, you didn't. Um, don't, I mean, shoot, you bring up Kaepernick at the church and people uh, have, have some, some choice uh, looks and words for you. And it's like, we're talking about somebody who's just trying to express the injustices that are going on in a community that they care about. Um, I, I don't, I, that's kind of a Christian thing, uh, whether, about, whether or not it's, it's coming from a Christian person. That is at, at least a, I mean, it's all about <laughs> getting the attention. Yeah. And in the grand scheme of things, that's really all that Jesus did when he was here. Right. You know, he had three different ages in his ministry. He had stages anyway. Like I said, he's had obscurity, he had popularity. And then he had rejection. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the moments of rejection are technically the moments of popularity. Mm-hmm. It's just the problem is everything he was doing was counterculture to what the what you would consider modern day Christianity he of that time. He was a radical. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, you know, every his, his whole thing was couched in radicalism, man. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know what it's gonna take for somebody to wake up and realize, yo, this ain't right. But somebody needs to wake up and realize, yo, this ain't right. And somebody not like me who only has the power of a voice that can be recorded on a podcast. Yeah, but what a voice it is, though. Man, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. The shut up thing again. My bad. You know, I, your voice is just as good. Yeah. It really oh, is. Well, I, I promise. Right. I promise. Okay. Oh, you but, took um, that, that be humble thing. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. It, 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 I mean, you know, it is. You know, I got to sit down. I got to be humble. Man. But it's just, I, you know, I just... Mm. I don't know. We we need to transition because if not, yeah. I'm gonna come back to this, especially when we talk about the criminal's death on the cross thing. That yeah. still takes me to my tree. Well, because... we can transition because we still want to talk a little bit about Kanye, oh, and man. and it makes sense because we can dovetail into that. Boo. What what happens? Dove. Do you think you think Kanye is gonna be nominated for a double award? You know what? <laughs> the funny, some of you having this conversation, man. I feel like. To be perfectly honest with you, yes, I think he is. Yeah. I think he is, and I think that it's going to be amazing, and I also think that it's going to be absolutely horrible. And I know we have the 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 the, the uh, article that we read, um, but I feel like the reason why he put the lyrics and hands-on that he did talking about Christians. They'd be the down. first ones to judge me. Yeah, and, and he feels like nobody loves him. Well, you know what? 
you're right. But the reason why they're going to judge you is because they're highly insecure and they probably spent years in the industry. And I mean, it's not going to be all of them, but no. they spent years in the industry um, trying to promote the gospel and trying to probably attain a certain status in the process. We're all human. It's just, it's, it's a part of a lot of people's process. And it's almost understandable because that grandstand is necessary. Um, if you want to continue to do things, I seek to give God glory in all that I do. Right. And I want that to have outreach and impact. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And outreach and impact is dope, whether it's two people or it's 20 million people. Well, but- and look, if you are looking at this thing from selfish reasons, if I'm a Christian artist, mm-hmm. Kanye is not the gateway drug to Christian music for no. people who don't listen to Christian music. Yeah. How can that possibly be bad for me? Yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's bad because you didn't make it happen. And that that's the only reason that I can really grasp. You okay. know, the funny thing about this is this is not the first time that this has actually occurred. People forget that was it last year, the year before that, Snoop DL Double Dissel came mm-hmm. out with a gospel album, mm-hmm. freaking 30 tracks long, and was featuring everybody up there. And it's funny because some of the people that it featured had never had a number one album. In yeah, some but, cases, it's number one record. No, 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 I'm just saying. Um, I never had a number one album or record on the gospel charts. Mm-hmm. And Snoop comes on with his first one ever, and it shoots up to the top like that. Yeah. Well, I like, see, his, his reputation's been tainted, though, because he's been spending so much time with a criminal and Martha Stewart. So I think that... <laughs> I think, oh, I made him choke on his water. But I think that's part of the issue. You know, so... <laughs> Martha Stewart is not, yeah, she is a criminal. She yeah, is. She spent more time in uh, the club, the, club. Yeah, <laughs> the she, prison system than yeah, Snoop has. So, I know it's, it's <laughs> true. Well, you know, Snoop got lucky. Um, but yeah, I mean, club fed still counts. So. I tell you about the time I saw Snoop in concert. That was something. No, he almost didn't come out on stage because he was doing what Snoop does backstage. Gotcha. And uh, police were giving him a hard time because it was before the. Uh, the weed was <laughs> as socially gotcha. acceptable. And uh, he came out and basically just did, you know, 10 minute chanting of um, a word I won't say about the police. Oh, and okay. uh, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting concert. Uh, we also had our blanket real. catch on fire. That was weird. Oh, wow. That was weird. You know, the funny thing about that is there's nothing new in that. I don't know. When, when did you go see that concert? Uh, that would have been, it was the headliner at the time. Don't judge me for this because they were a big deal at the time it was Lincoln Park. Um, it was so. Uh, we're done here. It was, I said, uh, "Don't man. judge me." No, you're. Uh, so it was like it was like two thousand six, seven, somewhere in there, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it was. So you listen to anime, funk, metal. Way to go. Um, yeah, it's sad. No, I was saying that because really, there is nothing new under the sun with that one. My daddy used to tell me stories about when uh, Parliament Funkadelic mm-hmm. used to perform. Yeah. Um, yeah, they come out and. People were passing joints in in the, in the audience, and, yeah. and the cops didn't even know what to do. Yeah. They couldn't do anything about it, mm-hmm. so they just let it ride. Or someone tells me a couple of them probably received and passed. As well. <laughs> well, having um, just been out to California, I will tell you that <laughs> in just random places walking around, I I smelled more weed smoke than I did at uh, you know the Boney Bear concert down in North Carolina, mm, and yeah. and you would think that it would be very <laughs> predominant down there, but yeah, you know what? No. we got nothing. But mm-hmm. yeah, so. Uh, but yeah, on this Kanye piece, um, it, uh, who was it? What's the name of, of the chick from the middle? Can't remember. Yes, Patricia Heaton. Yeah, Patricia uh, had Heaton had come out and talked about the difficulty of being a uh, celebrity in Hollywood who's a Christian. Um, and we were <laughs> we were talking about that. I said, you know, what's interesting to me is that Kanye is not going to have the same uphill battle 
that a actress or actor who yeah. is, is a Christian is in Hollywood because he doesn't answer to anybody. He no. can produce his own music and just drop it on Spotify and just bring in the cash and call it a day. Exactly. Um, so if anything, that will, it will allow him if he stays the course here, it's going to allow him to continue to have an impact on the culture because you're not going to be able to snuff him out. No, hundred no, yeah. percent. There's no way. And I mean, it's, you can see it already. Like apparently he's, he's already gotten his maximum streams mm-hmm. of all times. He had um, 200 million streams in like a week and a half. Exactly. Like that's, it was a, it's crazy. I can't tell you how many times, even in our church throughout the week, like that, oh. that album ended up being played someplace. They were playing in a lobby. They were playing yeah, no, it uh, exactly. to start one of the services. Yeah, exactly. uh, I think every single pastor that I heard in a podcast or at our own church this week mentioned it somehow, whether it was Chick-fil-A or Closed on Sunday. Or, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you so. know, yeah, he's a genius for that one, though. We all. Oh, he was. Yeah. Just, you, you could have put Chick-fil-A in. He could have just said Chick Fil A, mm-hmm. um, and it would have turned into. The, the, does that end the debate about Popeyes? Chick-fil-A? No, it absolutely. Oh, does okay. not. As a matter right. of fact, people don't realize that the chicken sandwiches <laughs> back out, um, and that is. Well, they have to realize it by now. I mean, well, no, some folks. I think some folks really don't. It's, well, people who don't have a smartphone, I guess. I guess so. so. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's a it's it's a beautiful thing that chicken sandwich. I'm sorry it comes for it. And as a matter of fact, I had somebody else who just tried it the other day. Uh, and they also said, "Yeah, I'm sorry, but Chick Fil A, you're in trouble." Really? Yeah. I'm gonna no. have to, where's the closest Popeyes? I'm gonna have to give this a uh, shot to you, Lynn Haven. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so give. Let's give, do lunch next week. I, <laughs> I'll buy you a chicken gonna, sandwich. I'm gonna punch you in the face. <laughs> oh my god! You can just can't you just cut cut the breading off and eat the fillet? Yeah, that, that becomes officially pointless, <laughs> and I can't have the bread. Yo, you're such a jerk, man. Oh my gosh! But yeah, I just. Yeah, let's let's again let's finish up with Kanye because yeah. you're getting on my nerves, man. Um, but yeah, no, really, that that's the thing that people forget is that Kanye doesn't just have opportunity; he also has all of his own license, right? So you can just forget about it. Like people forget, we were talking about it the other day. It's just like he switched up his whole thing, and I bet he would not have had the opportunity to do that if he was under another record label. But it's his record label. It's so. his, like, and he, not only that, it's not like if just his music you know, stops getting played or getting, but like, he's got a ton of artists that he works with who are under him, who I don't think are going anywhere. No, I seriously And so that. he's, he's got an income stream, not to mention I buy more of his shoes than I should. So he's getting income from there too. Mm-hmm. And he's also bankrolled by a pretty wealthy family if he does run into trouble. So, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's not in bad shape. So I think, uh, if he is able to stay the course yeah. and, you know, unlike maybe popular Christian comedians who have trouble. Um, We're not going to, we won't talk about that, but I'm just saying that, you know, it it, it is interesting. What did uh, Chris Rock say? You're only as, as faithful as your options. Uh, Sometimes the Christian life and celebrity is very much that way. You're only as true to God as your options. Like when temptation is coming in, uh, fortunately, none of us are having to, you know, go, go 40 days uh, in the the wilderness trying to fight off temptation because a lot of us can't do it for a day. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know. you know what, though? Again, back to it because I'm just going to do it. And the mm-hmm. Bible is the same exact way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Congratulations, David, on your Netflix and chill and kill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, just, I don't know. <laughs> Let that be the reminder, you know. And, I'm, you know, the funny thing is, and uh, I think we can we can finish it up on this one, too, um, is that I, if if you are a Christian and you're out there and you're struggling 
with having to address God's grace in your life. Let me help you out real quick. This Bible shows me exactly how many awesome and amazing individuals messed up at a royal rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you're looking at David, the one who's after God's own heart, and yep. he's responsible for not just adultery, but murder. And then you got Abraham who, you know, you don't get out the first book of Genesis without having your the, the first ever episode of baby mama drama. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, just I mean, bro, you could take a look at so yes. many different stories. And the funny thing about it is if these individuals were alive today and they had a chance to read it, they'd be dead in two seconds. Yeah. Because they'd all have heart attacks because they like they realize that all their stuff is exposed. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's just out there. Yeah. That's pretty much what it comes down to. So why are you struggling with what you're struggling with? Now, does this mean that we can't work on us? No, it's a good idea because a lot of them worked on them. Right. Um, and and so thankfully. You know, you got to see the progress and that's what it's all about. This life is supposed to be about progress, mm-hmm. but give yourself a chance to do it and stop beating yourself up because this is just ridiculous. Yeah. Don't, like, don't carry that shame. There's a reason that someone was carrying a cross. Exactly. And with that, I think I need to go home and go to bed because yeah, I'm, I'm mentally exhausted. And I think that your cat is about to listen. Don't tell me about being tired. Okay. I have two kids. Oh, wait, I'm doing what you did. Uh, Just say, okay, boomer. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're done here. Yeah. Oh, dear God. Oh, man, signing off. Yo, thank you again for listening to Eye to Eye. Please don't forget to check us out on Instagram. Uh, Check us out on Facebook uh, at I underscore two underscore I. LinkedIn. Oh, we're not on that one. No, we're definitely not on LinkedIn. I don't don't think I ever want to be. Um, And uh, above all those, please, when you're listening, like, share, give it to folks, give us a feedback, give them those five stars, a generous review, uh, because we love you and you love us. And and that's what people who love each other do. Amen. Um, But just, you know, that uh, that filios or agape kind of love. Um, that arrow, so I'm going to say that for white at the crib. It's a good idea. <clears throat> cool. Uh, but love y'all. Thank y'all again. And hopefully we'll catch you again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel, whatever bad time or bad channel that is, which is usually when I finish editing it so I can publish. Sounds great. Peace. Easy. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode of Eye to Eye. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises, on Insta, at I2I Podcast. That's the letter I, underscore, the number two, underscore, the letter I, podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave those five stars, and a generous review because you love us. I want us to be great as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Was that good, Little Bear? Did I do it? Did I do that? Did I do it like the, the nice white people with the good voices? No? I'm just not going to say nothing. Okay, fine. <sighs> Thank you again, guys. See you next week.